There was something that came across the internet, you know, one of those things that you, you should read, you know, it tells you to read them and th- things. And most of them you just kind of delete and go on. But this is called Retarded Grandparents. <laughs> this was actually reported by a teacher that was written by, it wasn't, it wasn't Rhonda's, it was written by one of the teacher's students. After Christmas, a teacher asked her young pupils how they spent their holiday away from school. One child wrote the following. We always used to spend the holidays with Grandma and Grandpa. They used to live in a big brick house, but Grandpa grandpa got retarded, and they moved to the Bateman Bay, where everyone lives in nice little houses so they don't have to mow the grass anymore. They They ride around on their bicycles and scooters, And they wear name tags because they don't know who they are anymore. They go to a building called a rec center, but they they must have got it fixed because it's all okay now. They'll do exercises there, but they don't do them very well. There's a swimming pool too, but all they do is jump up and down with their hats on. Little white hats, you know, bopping them down. At their gate, there is a dollhouse with a little old man sitting in it. He watches all day so no one can escape. Sometimes they sneak out and go cruising in their golf carts. Nobody there cooks. They just eat out. And they eat the same thing every night, early birds. (laughs) Some of the people can't get out past the man in the dollhouse. The ones who do get out bring back food to the rec center for potluck. My grandma says that grandpa worked all his life to earn his retardedment and says I should work hard so I can be retarded someday too. When I earn my retardedment, I want to be the man in the dollhouse. Then I will let people out so they can visit their grandchildren. <laughs> so, so... Any of us are folk, uh, folk, we're fast approaching the retardedment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as we uh, last week we spoke about blessed is the man, and we think about and that was in Psalm one and about how that the blessings of God are kind of set there for us and how that God is wanting us to receive these blessings and and as I was thinking about that and of course you you don't want to necessarily uh, preach blessing part two but um, we want us today I was thinking of expecting versus believing now expecting versus believing we've done this seminar this seminar we've done this uh, a number of years ago about expecting versus believing but it's I I think you know as I've come to find out that many times I can say the same things or the same topic and never say the same uh, sermon again, so we'll see what happens. Expecting versus believing. You believe, now th- of course the, the obvious is a woman who is expecting a child. We know that in nine months she's going to have a child. That's expecting. Believing is, I believe I am going to have a child, but not pregnant yet, I'm not expecting yet. So there's a difference between belief and expecting. And we think that, they're, sometimes we think that they're synonymous, that they're the same, but they're not. We believe that there is a God, but so does the devil. 
You know, the devil knows there's a God, believes in God, but that belief didn't, doesn't change anything of, of evil. They believe that God is capable of all things, but they don't allow God to have that sovereignty in their life. And you see, in our lives, there's a difference between believing and expecting. Belief says, I believe God's promises. Expecting is, I am declaring that God is going to bless my life. I believe that God is going to do something. I expect him to do something. Now, you may think that's kind of a fine line between, you know, believing and expecting, but if you believe you're pregnant or you are expecting, ladies, what is the difference? <laughs> you know, there's a big difference. You are expecting. You know, um, did you ever dial the wrong number on the phone? What were you believing? You were believing that you dialed the correct number, and when you got what you believed, it wasn't what you expected. <laughs> okay, so I had that happen this morning. This, I came up with this conversation. This why, you know, praying here, setting in thing. And some guy calls me. He says, "What number is this?" <laughs> you know, I said, "Well, what number are you calling?" You know, and he says to me. Well, what's your name? <laughs> well, who are you calling? Well, I was calling someone, and I said, nope, not here. Oh, I guess I have the wrong number. <laughs> you see, and I, we, there was a time uh, we used to get a phone call every night about 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, you never knew when this person was going to call. And they called, you know, 3 o'clock, right on the dot, almost every morning. So... How do you stop someone from doing this? You know, people said, blow a horn in their ear, blow whistles. I said, well, I'm glad you called. Let me pray for you. <laughs> and every time he called, I prayed for him or her, whoever it was, and they stopped calling. <laughs> you know, because they were expecting to bring up an irritant, you know, hello, is your refrigerator running? You know, go get it, you know, those types of things. It was like someone was expecting something, but they didn't get what they were expecting. And you see, in our life, God is expecting us to receive his gifts and his blessing and to receive these things in our life so that we can give them away. You see, what God gives to us is not for us to accumulate and say, let's build bigger barns, but let's allow ourselves to do this in a way, receive this in a way that we're able to share it with other people. And that's why we tithe, that's why we give our, our finances, of our finances to the Lord. We are honoring God with our gifts, and God has an expectation that if we are willing to sow into our faith and into what God says, we are able also to reap. Now, Sometimes we get a little off course in our thinking because we would say, well, you know, I really don't deserve this. Well, deserving has nothing to do with it. <laughs> God gives his blessing and his grace. You know, his grace is freely given. It is, it is given without, without strings. I'm trying to think of the, there's another word that goes with this. That... Um, we would call a person who has little morals or no morals, we would call them very loose. There's another word that goes with that. 
whether it's a male or female, we would call them very loose. Well, God is very loose, same word, with his grace and his mercy to us, that he is looking to bestow his favor upon his children. He, he doesn't, he doesn't well, qualify us. Okay, let's qualify this, whether we should um, give them something. You know, uh, if someone has a need, well, let's qualify the need. Do you really need this? Is this a want or is this a necessity? <laughs> and generally that means I'm not giving it to you until you prove me that you need it, okay? But this is, what's the difference between a want and a necessity? And sometimes we look at the gifts and the blessings of God, oh, well, those are just wants. I don't really need them. But God is saying to us, this is a need because it has more to do with how you're going to give it away rather than how that you're going to put it in your closet or in your house or in your basket and keep it. You see, if the gifts that God, have given, that God has given us are for us to put in our baskets, then it's, we don't need it. And it's, not, it's a want. But when God wants to bless us and he expects his blessings, he exp- he's looking for people to receive his blessing, he's doing it so that we can receive it and let it flow out. You see, the knowledge that we have, you know, teachers, <laughs> you know, teachers, there's one here, whatever, two, three, four, you know. I told somebody the other day we have five teachers or seven teachers, I don't remember. But we have five teachers, I think. And they said, wow, that must be pretty hard te- preaching to them. <laughs> and why do you have five teachers? It's probably your wife that they're coming, you know. But... Um, what happens with a teacher? A teacher is sharing knowledge. You gain knowledge so that you can share it. You know, you gain something in order to give it. If you would gain all that knowledge and sit in the corner and never talk to anyone, never write anything, what good does it do? And we look at this, and you see, what God wants to give us, and we sit there and say, well, I really don't need that. Our eyes are only upon self and saying to self, I don't deserve that, I don't need that. And God is saying, no, I want you to have this because there's somebody coming into your life that you need to give this to. So we find that the wisdom and the understanding and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the personal growth that we encounter is is very important because we haven't finished growing yet. And there are things that need to be expanded in our life that God wants to bless us with so that we can share it with someone else. But our sharing comes with qualifications. We want to quantify. Do they really deserve this? Will they throw it away? Will they not appreciate it? If God wants us to give something, it's not ours to say, well, you know, I don't think they deserve it. Well, that's not ours to say. God wants us to have, give a cup of cold water. In his name, we are responsible for giving. If they throw it on the ground, that's their responsibility. But you see, they will always remember someone gave them something. And they gave it with no strings attached. And, we have, and it's hard. <laughs> it's hard in our humanness and our, our old nature, so on, that to, to think of freely giving, to such as I have, give I unto you. Silver and gold, you know, he said, Peter says, 
Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you. What did the man want? He wanted money. But Peter didn't have the money to give because he could have had the money. God wanted, you know, Peter, go down to the lake there and the, catch another fish and get the money there, and I want you to give it to so-and-so, and you go walking through town, and there's somebody who needs what you got, and you give it to him, okay? But that wasn't the case. Peter had something, a spiritual gift, and that spiritual gift he was able to share with the man because even though the man thought he needed a physical healing, God knew he needed a spiritual awakening. And in our life, what is it that God wants to awaken? What is it that God wants to awaken in our life? Sometimes it's <laughs> that we are not finished growing yet. We're not finished learning yet. We're not finished in how that we can give to others and share our life and share our talents with others. God is willing to allow, wants to allow us to receive the blessings. God wants us to receive his gifting so that we can have the blessing in our life to share with other people. Well, so if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. And we're not perishing. The, the gospel of Christ is not uh, veiled to, excuse me, is veiled to those who are perishing, and God's telling us, you're not perishing, so that we're always in the process of learning, always in the process of growing. Psalm 119 says, verse 1, what's it say? First two words. You're blessed. <laughs> you're blessed. Remember where that came what did we speak about last night? Last night. Last time? Last Sunday? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor, in the, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And what's he going to be like? He's going to be like a tree that is planted by the waters, and that his fruit is, you know, he's going to bear fruit in his season, and his leaf doesn't wither, no matter what the temperature, no matter what the climate, no matter what the season. Blessed, see, Psalm 119. We're only going to do all of it today. It, took, it takes 15 minutes to read through it. So I'll start now reading it, what, verse 1. and No. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. So you see, you're blessed when you stay on course. And Psalm 1 kind of gives us that. Blessed is the man who walketh not, nor standeth, nor sitteth. It's the idea is you don't stand, walk, or sit where people who are scoffers and non-believers are going. But blessed is the man who stays on course. Blessed, you're blessed when you stay on course. What's the course? Well, loving, forgiving, believing, expecting. You see, sometimes we get very frustrated because I've been believing, I've been begging, <laughs> I've been telling, I've been petitioning God for this specific thing, and it doesn't happen. Well, <laughs> there's a scripture in Matthew 15, I didn't, did I give this one to you, Jose? I probably didn't, Matthew 15, 22. And um, this is one of those scriptures that when you read it a couple times through, and I really never quite understood what was going on. I've read the commentaries on it. 
And, you know, I'll read it. It says, And behold, a woman who was a Canaanite from the district came out and with a loud, troublesome, urgent cry begged. Have mercy on me. She begged. And, we, you know, whenever, when you read that, you read it, and Jesus doesn't pay any attention to her. She begged. And she's telling him his needs, but she's begging him about his need. But he did not answer, verse 23. He didn't answer her a word. Now, the commentaries, the different commentaries state that, well, perhaps this is a trial, like for Abraham, whenever he was to take now your son, your only son, take him up and offer him as a sacrifice. Uh, they, they equate this, this, this situation to something like that, where God is, Jesus is trying to test her faith in tri- a trial of her faith and to see if she will persevere through this. And, and then she goes on and begs the disciples, as we read on here. But she came, um, he answered, uh, he answered her, uh, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, to the house of Israel. Lady, I have no time for you, and I'm not sent to your kind, I'm sent to the Jewish people. Okay, now, that is one of those scriptures that just kind of like, Jesus, I know there's a reason somewhere in hitting in all this that you're doing this, but I, I don't see it. It doesn't flow with everything else in the scriptures because he's always going, you know, for the woman at Samaria, at the well of Samaria, that what does he do? He goes to Samaria. I must needs go to Samaria. I've got this person there that I have to see. And here is this woman who comes to him begging, and Jesus says, you know, just keep your distance. I, I'm not for you. And, of course, the woman then went to the disciples and, uh, <laughs> and uh, he, the disciples said, Jesus, will you do something with this woman? Oh, she can't leave us alone. All she's done is begging us for something. And then verse 27, she said, yes, Lord, and even the little pups, the little whelps, eat the crumbs that fall from their young master's table. Just like Abraham. Is that what it says, just or test? My version, I said, I think I have a test. Take your son, oh, that's what we're saying. And when Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. What happens in that situation? She turns from begging. (laughs) She turns from begging Jesus to expecting Jesus. (laughs) She turned from begging to expecting. And what happens is in our life, Sometimes we get into this mode where we feel that God isn't, doesn't know how need and how desperate I am, and we begin to beg and whimper and whine and, you know, why isn't God doing this and why isn't God doing that? And really, there's a difference between believing and expecting, and in this case, believing, begging, and expecting. And you see, you're blessed when you stay on course, done all the right things, I've read the scriptures, I believe. I've been going to church. I've been asking God, you know, asking God, believing that God would would help me and I get nowhere and nothing happens. But God wants us to expect. Expect that he will honor his word. Expect that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I expect God to forgive me. 
I expect, you know, if, we, if God writes our name in the Lamb's book of life, and I expect my name is in his book of life in heaven. Because believing and not receiving is like believing I'm pregnant and there's no baby. <laughs> but expecting is there is a baby and there is a delivery date. And so you're blessed when you follow his directions. <laughs> what are God's directions? His directions are unconditional love. His directions are, you don't go off on our own tangents and have those little strange beliefs that we grew up with and they've still been haunting us. Um, Things that we felt God should have taken care of but didn't. You see... It's important that we know how that we perceive truth. How do you believe? How do you receive truth in your life? How do you perceive what is life and what is right? Well, we are ruled by our human prescriptions, our desire to connect with others and have others connect with us. Sometimes, well, most of the times, I think we don't, we don't want to be isolated in an island by ourselves. We like to be connected. And so in our desire to be connected, we can get off course, get off the road. We'll go off the road just a little bit to tell them what they want to hear so that they will like us. <laughs> we'll get off the road. And you see, we don't have to go, get off the road to have them like us. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to have a love in our heart that is strong enough that the word of God will dwell in us richly and that we can share it with them. And that there, are, there is a belief, there is a receiving part, an expectation of our life that God will honor the promise that he has laid in our heart. That God will honor the promise that he has placed within our hearts and our lives. You know, um, I've... <laughs> All, all my, you know, one of the things I, you know, I'm, you know, you get these little thoughts in your head, and I've had it there for a very long time. Um, <laughs> that's why my, I'm bald and can't think straight. <laughs> now, we had this thought that, you know, if you have wisdom, you have everything. Okay? If you have wisdom, you have everything. Well, you, of course, you have to have Christ, you know. You have to have wisdom in Christ, and the wisdom is the application of truth. And the application of truth is how that we can take what we know and convey it to other people. And sometimes, if you, if you haven't noticed by now, I try to be very balanced. You know, I, you know, it isn't like I'm narrowing down and being perfect, but you try to be balanced. You know, you try to approach something in a very balanced position. You don't, you don't go off the deep end in either direction. You just kind of stay balanced. And Sometimes that's been a fault of mine that we're so balanced that we are boring, you know. <laughs> we're so balanced that, uh, you know, we just kind of, everything's got to be in a balance. And, but the believing is kind of like in this balance of everything's okay, I believe this. But you see, expecting puts us over to one of the sides that says, I'm not only believing this, I'm expecting it to come into my life. I'm expecting it to be part of who I am. You know, in all the years, I, my, my greatest thing is to be, have wisdom. Because I figured Solomon, he was wise, 
and that, you know, he's, you know, everybody's desired his counsel and all that stuff. And that's important stuff. But he lost his way in his wisdom that, that he ended up focusing on the intellectual and not understanding the relational experience that he had with God. And we have to have wisdom enough to understand the relational experience that we have with God and bring it into our everyday life. That we can bring it into our everyday life and so the expectation becomes God's promise placed in my heart that I can use this and see this as a very real and tangible child, (laughs) birth of what God has given to me and that I can use this now in furthering the kingdom of God. And so when God wants to birth something in our lives, I don't know, I've never had a baby, but ladies, you said it's a little, you know, the Bible says that it's uh, the labor. <laughs> Is there labor? What's, what means labor? I can go out and work eight hours. What's labor pain, you know? That's a guy's perception. You see, what's labor t- pain, you wimp? You know? <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to duck here pretty soon. <laughs> You know, but there is labor pain, and, but there is pain in giving birth. So whenever we find ourselves in giving birth, painful situations, perhaps we need to back up a little bit and tell, ask ourselves a question, am I on course? Am I, am I allowing God to love through me? Am I allowing myself to forgive Am I being a non-judgmental listener? Back up. (laughs) And you see, the pain lets me know that I am birthing something. It's not a pain-free life. You know, take two aspirin and go to bed. You know, it's not a pain-free life. There are pains in our life, and sometimes we create them, sometimes other people create them, sometimes, sometimes God allows them. Because he wants us to birth something that we don't really see yet. We can believe that we are on our way to heaven and we'll just be happy and at peace. Um, And it doesn't work that way. If I can find my place of peace, I can find my place of peace in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the difficulties, I can be at peace in my heart knowing this is the way, walk ye in it that this is the voice of God speaking to me to make the application of all things are possible to those who believe. Believe. That believe has the idea of birthing. All things are possible to those who birth, expect God to bring about the birth of something. So we are believing for a birth, And the birth that we are experiencing is the birth of God's promise into our life. And we find that God has blessed us with so many promises that when we feel lonely, okay, God will never leave us nor forsake us. We're not alone in this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. I believe and I expect my life to be at peace. God works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That God has a way. And so when I look at my trials and tribulations, they are creating stress and strain and heartache. Back up. 
God is birthing something. Am I still on course? Is there anything that I'm doing here that's not right in his sight? Should I be changing in how that I address these things and what I say about these things, how I talk about them? Because when I'm talking about them, I am declaring the truth of what I believe. And I believe that God works miracles and I am expecting him to apply the wisdom of his word and the experiences of my life to help me on this path, this path that I am walking. And as I am walking this path, I am finding that the hand of God is there to go before me, to go behind me. He's to the right of me. He's to the left of me. He's above me. He's beneath me. He's inside of me. There is no place that I can go that he is not there. So in this place, I find the birth of peace. When I am lacking, if you lack anything, if you lack faith, let him ask of God who gives to everyone liberally and he doesn't withhold. So I, God, I need this. Well, David, pray for faith to receive it and to birth it in your life. You see, I can complain about and beg about and beg for, but what is that? I take care of my own kids. (laughs) I take care of the children first, of Israel first. Go over there. But what he's saying is that person comes back and says that person worships. So in our worship, we are adoring God, and when we adore God, we see him for who he is. (laughs) And so in our worship, in our praise, we are seeing God who is the provider, the gives us the provision. Provision He speaks things into existence. He speaks. So if we have trouble learning, hello. If we have trouble remembering, <laughs> hello. If we have trouble, you know, accomplishing things, you know, what we're we doing? Expect God to be the provider. Expect him to initiate his word, bring into reality his spirit in our life, and to birth in us and in our life something very tangible. You see, our, our worries, the, ascent, the feeling of aloneness, we have a feeling that says, and a realization, I'm alone in the midst of a group of people. You know, I can be in a group of people, I still feel all alone. Well, I can be all alone and still feel like I'm connected. (laughs) God has birthed that reality in my life. And in the reality of being with others, he then opens the doors to touch other people's lives because I expect it. And so those are the expectations. The expectation that God will birth, bring to life his word in my heart and in my life. And so therefore, I not only believe, I'm expecting. (laughs) Now I know I'm not expecting. (laughs) You know how you can tell if a preacher's on the level? Bubbles in the middle. (laughs) I lost the whole sermon right there, right? (laughs) I am expecting to give birth. (laughs) 
I'm expecting God to give birth to the promises that he has laid in our hearts and that the truth of his word will speak volumes to our lives. We will not feel alone. We will not feel that things are off course. We will believe and we will expect the word to keep me strong, keep me safe, keep us secure, and we expect God to watch over our children, to watch over the transportation to school, the teachers, the kids, all the things that's going on in the school system. God, I just pray and I expect you to bless my children. I expect you to bless my work. I expect you to give me wisdom in the application of the truths and the understanding of my knowledge where I work and what I do, that I'm able to sense your presence, be comfortable enough where I am to allow your spirit to work through me. And when I am troubled, I know it's time to just wait and seek God. Amen? Shall we stand? <laughs> I won't ask how many of you are expecting, <laughs> but maybe I should. <laughs> how many of us are expecting? <laughs> expecting God. We're all expecting. We're expecting God to do a work in our lives. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your promise, your word, your spirit, your life, your love. <laughs> God, how that we walk this path and we know that we're not alone. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Amen? Amen.